Storymakers. I'm Angie Powers. I'm Elizabeth Stark. And, and this, this is Storymakers Show. And today on Storymakers, we're looking at keeping things simple. Just like that. But first, because we can't keep it too simple, what are you working on, Angie Powers? Well, I'm actually working on my performance piece for <laughs> Sonoma <laughs> County Writers Camp. Woohoo! Performance art. Well, slash modern dance. Well, <laughs> can you? We didn't discuss modern dance as part of what I was producing, well, but with enough wine. Performance piece. Well, I, you know, I didn't. I said performance. Did I say performance piece? I guess I did. It's you know, sort of a stand-up routine. Routine performance piece just sometimes sounds a little bit like uber experimental. Mm-hmm. Right, like you're gonna light a candle. But you're not experimenting in an Uber. No, although I'm sure someone has or will. Mm-hmm. All right. I am getting ready to do yet another revision. What? Well, nobody can hear you when you're 20 feet away. Okay, okay. Revision. There we go. All right. So... And in fact, it's going to be a stripping away. Oh. Hence the topic simplicity. Fantastic. Simplicity. Well, well, let's. Um, but before we do that, I think we need to quickly check in about the mice because I actually have to say I've had a lot of verbal follow up. Oh, have you? On our episode about the mice. Okay. So, um, because, you know, it was mice as inciting incident. Uh-huh. Right? right, right. Right. And so um, somehow that, that really, I think, stuck with people. Plus, it was personal sharing. Yes. Um, so here we are. We have mm-hmm. actually turned to some experts. Yes. Um, well, we've turned to some ex. We did turn to some experts before, but yeah. they were expensive experts. Right. Right. So ironically, I think we've done a a lot to right. Is actually. That Is that well, just different from what you'd expect of our character <laughs> of our experiment? Yes. Uh, well, you know, here we are. Uh, Irony is a gap. There's going to be something in the act, you know, in the midpoint that comes up. And we'll be like, oh my God, like it turns out these mice were bringing um, fairy dust in <sighs> and making things, you know, awesome. We or don't want to get rid of them. Right. They're the secret linchpin. They, they turn out to be the um, ally, not ah. the antagonist. And the antagonists so. are the pest people we've brought in. Yes. <laughs> So, or whatever. I guess, you know, the just thing about being a writer is you just spend way too much time thinking about the possibilities of what isn't that complicated. And again, here we are, back at simplicity. Simplicity. All right. So Was there something I, specific I, I do, you I just, wanted to say well, about the mice? I want to say that, that we haven't seen any and that we haven't caught any. And um, all of our stuff is in boxes and, our, and we've been cleaning like crazy. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now we're trying to figure out how to reintegrate, which is sort of, we're trying to actually, I mean, we're probably trying to skip a few of the seven steps and get right back into the new ordinary world where we're mouse-free and a little more organized. Okay. But maybe we don't even know what the story is yet because if we're trying to just get back to the new ordinary world without... Mm-hmm. really doing any fundamental changes, then the truth is we're trying to get back to the ordinary world, which means we're actually still, still before act the act one decision. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Story is exhausting. Right? No wonder we avoid it. So let's talk about your stripping. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to talk specifics too much, 
But um, the working theory is that there are maybe too many elements in my book. And mm-hmm. I've already taken out some. Uh-huh. And um, so I'm going to be taking out some more. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what is very interesting is that the core remains and gets stronger and stronger. So one of the things I've really struggled with has to do with sort of what's at stake for her in the beginning or, mm-hmm. you know, what, what's at stake for her that kicks her into her act one decision, gets, right. sets her on her journey. So I've been reading and listening and thinking a lot about act one decision and about the moment before the act one decision, which I now call the farm got burned to the ground moment. Right. After Star Wars, mm-hmm. because Luke is like, no, no, I'm going to go back and be a farmer, even though this sounds like way more fun and up my alley. And then he can't go back and be a farmer. Right. The farm has been He would have been a terrible moisture farmer anyway. (laughs) And, you know, yeah. It's so dry. It's so dry. (laughs) But now now we need like a a lotion sponsor. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. This episode is brought to you by our lotion sponsor. Okay. So... So anyway, so that's part of it is looking at that moment. And one of the interesting things is I've kind of created all of these machinations around what is going to kick her into her act one decision. And as I'm stripping them away, Mm -hmm. it feels, I I feels like emotionally I already got her there. So the more I strip away the sort of extraneous stuff, the I think the deeper the stakes are for why right. she does it. Right. It suddenly isn't, oh, she needs to do this for this, you know. Well, remember um, the whole conversation about a hat on a hat, right? Like, well, there's, tell our listeners, um, hat on a hat. In my writing group, which I miss desperately, we, yeah. haven't, we haven't connected for a long time, uh, we had sort of this conversation about when you kind of you have something and then you do more of it and it's not really helping the story it's just more um rather than Mm. better and Mm. so hat on a hat is sort of (laughs) like okay well she's got this motivation to go buy a snickers because she's hungry and um not only is she hungry (laughs) but um you know, they might sponsor her next bike race, right? And you're right, just right. like, wait, what? Yeah. What is that? You know, that's just Matt way Bird too- has a section about some some critiquing some film. I think it's like it's like a a, um, a Batman film or something. So it's like Batman's motivated by the fact that you know his parents were killed by a criminal, mm-hmm. and then they sort of add more and more and more and kind of layer on all these Which other Batman. reasons. I don't really remember. I'll have to look it up in The Secrets of Story by Matt Bird. But uh, but the point is, it actually di- di- dilutes mm-hmm. the stakes if there are like 10 reasons. We all know this, right? If you're, if you're lying about something, you don't want to give 10 reasons why you don't have your homework. And yet, it's sort of interesting because you are left with this question of, was he just a weird kid? Batman? Yeah. Before the parents? Yeah. And the reason I say that, and I think the reason people start doing the hat on the hat thing, Mm -hmm. is that sometimes we're asking people to take extreme action. Mm -hmm. We don't really understand deeply with regard to their character why they would choose that. So if you look at Batman, and I'm being facetious, but, you know, if he's imagining that he's the cause of his parents' death... 
mm. versus just witnessing his right. parents' death. Now, but what's interesting is you're digging into a single event. You're yes. not saying he witnessed his parents' event or his parents' death, and he has anger management issues. And uh, oh, like the, it was the in the book, it's something that in, in Matt Bird's description of it, it's something like you know, it's like the Joker turns out to be the person, or you know, it was like one of those kind of. Or like, or the. Anyway. But by then, he's already in the rubber suit. So by the time he meets Joker, so I'm going to say that yeah, with all story, it's much clearer if people have a very simple framework. Because the truth is, and, and I and I think this is what we're getting to: humans are dumb. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm a human, so I can say that. Mm. Um, it's sort of interesting as we were talking about this because there's story does have to have at its base a very simple framework and everything that we use to communicate it is going to sort of fail on some level. Everything we use to communicate the story is going to fail. On some level, right? It's insufficient to the task Mm. of a complete communication. Mm. And because of that, we use sight, sound. We use all of the senses to try and convey something uh, that is quite simple, but through processes that are unable to communicate fully themselves. Although, interestingly, reading in some ways matches the brain, sort of the, the way the brain is guided during uh, memory, vision, during looking at the world or something. So there's a way in which there, Elaine Scarry is a theorist who at least used to be at Harvard and her and has written books and she is and she, she married to Richard Scarry? <laughs> I don't think so. But, and she and uh, her dad. Right? Yeah. Uh, she was read those books as a child. Anyway, and I'm going to I'm not getting this very this is like from you know something I some partial reading 10 years ago, but the idea is that memory is less vivid than the images you conjure reading a book because reading a book is more um, echoes the neurological function of seeing the world. You know, you're being told you're this different evidence and your brain is putting it together, the picture. Sensing it, yeah. Or whatever. Anyway. I think what I was just thinking about was like the difference between a story and a... um, I'm just looking like a biome, right? Like I was about to say earlier, like, oh, like, you know, story is birth, life, death, compost, life. And an actual biome might follow those things, but express it through the relationships of plants, insects, animals, so that it's not, it's, it's a different sensory experience, but the story underneath it is is the same. The structure. Yes. Right. Okay, that's whoa. But anyway. (laughs) Coffee! Provide your own (laughs) drug or mind-altering substance. Um, But well, and I think that what I want to say too is that you learned about structure you know, after being a kind of right-your-way-through-it person. But I think the fact that your ideas of structure are to keep it simple, and you know, again, another thing that Matt Bird says somewhere is is that um, the, if you have a simple story, then you have room to have complex characters, right? And so, you know, the idea that you're then going to dig into how he felt about the death of his parents, Batman, so that he could then, mm-hmm. you know, w- devote his life to 
justice, whatever, revenge, blah, blah, blah. That's actually going deeper into a single motivation rather than layering on the motivations, right? That's Mm -hmm. the emotions of that motivation, the complex emotions of that simple motivation. And I just, I think that's important. I think that it's important to, so I'm, anyway, I'm hopeful because I'm the optimist. That's right. You're the optimist in our family. Well, I'm not saying in our family. I'm just saying I'm ever the optimist. Ever the optimist. Well, I think you have an amazing sort of work ethic, and that allows you to be optimistic because (laughs) the truth is you know you will do the work. That I do know. You build your own luck. Well, yeah. So, uh, anything, any other insights into simplicity? How do you know how, what's, is, how it's, is there such a thing as too simple? I don't think so. Really? Well, what if nothing happens? Well, that's not simple. It could be. No. <laughs> what is well, it? Well, I mean, it's like that Einstein quote, right? Which one? Uh, Share it with us. About, listeners. you know, you should be able to explain anything like as simply as possible, you know, as simply as it can be, but no simpler. And <laughs> something like that. It's something like that. He said it slightly more simply. Yes. He said it more directly. But I think that when you look at, um, story in general, I do think that it's because of the intervening, we sense things and those move our emotions. So if we don't have any sensory experience, mm-hmm. then we don't really have an emotional experience. So as we sense things, we see them. We see an actor crying. We see, we read about, um, you know, just, you know, a, a parent looking at the empty hills where their kids used to play but don't anymore, right? Those kinds of things, we, that's how we get moved emotionally. So we aren't moved by an outline because there isn't anything there to experience. But if we try to communicate something and we don't have that clarity of thought underneath, then it's just all experience and you might as well take LSD. Or even just live life without reading. Well, I don't think people necessarily even pay attention. Mm. So I think that's one of the things that reading and you know most great art can do is slow you down and have you notice like oh I do remember the way you know I was was walking today it's kind of rainy here in lovely Sebastopol California and I was walking and I felt like all the kind of misty like a thick mist rain right Mm -hmm. it's not quite rain but it's you know more than Fog. It's like on the weather app, it's like a cloud with two horizontal lines underneath it. No. No. <laughs> well, heavier than that. But anyway, so I was walking through there and I remembered as I was walking a walk I'd taken 30 years ago now in Bodega with a friend out in Bodega Head and very similar weather and the wind and the blowing... And so I do think that having your senses engaged is the only way to engage your emotions. Mm -hmm. But if you want to really just make a clear point, then you write an essay. Mm. But if you want people to take action, you write a story. Mm, Beautiful. Okay. And that's why simplicity is important because you have to have something simple to communicate so that you can move people 
from there. All right. I like it. I like it. I'm just, I'm in mind of that um, quote about, you know, you find a block of marble. I think it's apocryphal, but, and then you chip away everything that's not the David, right? I think we've done that one before. I think we have. But the point is, I keep thinking about it because I'm trying to chip away more. For some reason, it makes me think about teeth. Well, that's disturbing. (laughs) You have a mouthful of teeth and you just chip away what's not the dentures. (laughs) Anyway. Um, anything we can, anything else we can offer? So, you know, I mean, I, thinking of, I'm thinking of some of Wait, our Wait, do you want to say more complex things about yes, simplicity? Yes, about simplicity. Well, I, what I want to say is simple steps to getting to simplicity. And we have, I'm thinking of some of our students, mm-hmm. um, who are especially also working on kind of thriller-esque books, mm-hmm. who, where it's like, and I think that partly we do, we especially if you have a what-if imagination, you go, well, what if this and what if that? And sometimes you're layering in more and more things, reveals and all of that. And so I think things get overly complicated on the plot level when you aren't spending enough time really thinking about or sitting with the decisions you've already made. Say more. Well, I think... And this is not about you personally. <laughs> I can see where that's headed. Uh, you should see the happy expression on her face. No, no, I'm thinking. Um, in much the same way that when we're like, oh, we need a character to take an action. And so we throw mm-hmm. an action in there that mm-hmm. doesn't 100% resonate with the character. Mm-hmm. Plot that way, right? So we have an event happen or we add more motivation in there when... Really, if we had just focused more deeply on the single thing we already had, like we were just talking about Batman, right? Mm-hmm. So Batman's parents are killed, and so then he spends the rest of his life as a person who goes after crime, you know, and protecting the innocent. Well, that sounds great, but like, how many kids do you know would make that choice? So if he's making that choice, if that's his motivator, what made him different in that moment? Mm-hmm. A number of kids would choose probably to have incredible anxiety (laughs) disorders, uh, move away from the city, right? So they would do all of these other things. Mm -hmm. So to choose to become a crime fighter. A superhero. A superhero. In a rubber costume. I mean, there's so many things going on there. (laughs) But but in in the superhero universe, we don't really have to ask about their costumes so much. We're just going to roll with, yeah, bats. Um, so, but what makes a kid make that choice versus all the other ones that would seem more accessible mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. were just to go, say, you know, down that path? Mm-hmm. So you have to sit there for a minute because that becomes clear. Okay, his parents died, so he's a crime fighter. Okay, why? <laughs> and there's a systems uh series of questions that you ask and they're really hard to remember, but they're so worth it. And I think you can apply these to your, um, plot. Ooh, you could do this for steal this. Yes, it's true. Are we moving into steal this? Sure. Let's go on. Steal this. Okay. So there's a system and systems analysis process. It's just so hard to remember. Do you want to look it up? It goes like this. When someone tells you why they do something. So you come in and you're saying, you're trying to figure out in like an office, Okay, someone hands you this piece of paper. What do you do next? And they say, well, I do this. And then you say to them, well, why? 
So that's question number one. And then they give you an answer, whatever that answer is. And then you look at them and you say, well, why? And you basically do five whys. This is like the three-year-old's approach to life. It's not just the three-year-old's approach to life. It's about digging more deeply into... And so in systems, what you're trying to do is excavate the, pro, the why people are doing what they're doing. And a lot of times people, A, don't know why, or B, like the primary reason is because that's what happened before they got there. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking at your plot and you're looking at decisions your characters are making, especially in the beginning... Mm-hmm. So this thing happens and my character does this. Okay, well, why? Well, because she's lonely. Well, why is she lonely? Well, she's lonely because she uh, never goes out. Okay, well, why? Well, she never goes out because she thinks she's unattractive. Okay, well, why does she think she's unattractive? Well, her mom was a cow and, you know, really... You like, not attractive, you mean cruel. Was cruel. And, well, I meant that her mom was a cow in the sense that she was mean. And then I was like, okay. It could be, like, her mom is unattractive. It could have been, right? That's why I wanted to clarify. Okay, but, like, why, right? And so Mm -hmm. then you kind of continue to dig down a little bit. And I I think that as writers, especially when we're developing story, it is so easy for us to get squirmy about our characters' motivations. Mm -hmm. And if you continue down that why path, the five whys of Mm -hmm. your character decisions, you're going to have much stronger, much clearer motivation, which is going to be much simpler. I was thinking, that's why they call it wisdom. But anyway. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, Wow. And then, okay, here's a question I have for you, even though we're in Steal This. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do you, so in a system, you go into someone's office, why this piece of paper, blah, 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 you go, why, 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 you get this deeper understanding of the whole system, and then maybe you make a different choice about the piece of paper or the whole system. I don't know. I'm curious how you apply it in systems, but I'm more curious even how you apply it in story. So like once you have a deep understanding of, of your, say, your character from your film, how did that impact writing or rewriting or directing the script? How did it, you know, how did it get on the page? Well, I think what it has to do, especially like when you're doing revision, um, and again, it just depends on everybody's development process, Mm -hmm. but if you're doing revision and something's, you know, and you're getting the feedback that uh, maybe things are too complicated or I don't understand why this character is this way or whatever, doing that particular exercise will then make you say like, okay, well... Uh, I, I think I've gotten to the, like the core of this character's belief system, right? Core of what they think about this thing. And so why they would make that choice is blank. Like, okay, great. So then when you go through, you look at it and you're like, okay, either all of the stuff you've already done is perfectly in line with that worldview And then what you need to do is go in and make sure that the emotions are there. But step one would be like, are the decisions my character's making, are they in line with this kind of belief? And that would be step one. Mm -hmm. And then step two would be, okay, great. Now, these feel like authentic decisions and actions. When it's on the page, can my reader know what my character is feeling Right, giving it then that experiential, that sensory overlay that's the emotional piece. 
Does that make sense? I think so. You're saying why leads you to have a deep understanding of the character's emotion that you can bring out in the scene. Yeah. But that why is, again, we often give a very easy answer. And it might not be that in a single sitting we can kind of get there. Right. I think that's what one of the most important things that I said to our students is sometimes you ask a question and the, answer, the first answer might need to be, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. I sometimes get frustrated because I feel like I can't, not for you, but for myself, I think, oh, I can't say I don't know, but I don't know. So then I'm guessing, which is fine. It's actually part of the creative process. But if I'm sort of quote unquote getting it wrong or you keep asking why and I don't understand that it's systems analysis or whatever, then I feel frustrated sometimes. Yeah. Not that you would notice from my calm and Exterior. warm demeanor. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, I just listened to Shutter Island by Dennis Lehane as an audiobook. For my cleaning. <laughs> and there were a couple things I wanted to steal from it. And one was this great section where we see the character using his skill set um, in a poker game. Mm. Like he's able to, to analyze why, uh, you know, when the, how, how the characters behave when they're lying, right? And, and when they're bluffing. Mm-hmm. And so, and then he tells them and it just, it gives you a sense of his sort of his superpower as a character, one of his superpowers as a character, but in this sort of playful context. Um, And I just really loved that. And it made me think about kind of, um, well, one is like, it made me think about the ways in which a character flaw is also often a really interesting part of your character. And I don't know that that was exactly his flaw, really it wasn't, but it was, you know, it was he, but anyway, I think that, so I think that, and I think bringing that out, I, it made me want to bring out my character's kind of superpower mm-hmm. in a certain way and really see it kind of at work. And then the other thing also from Shutter Island was um, the emotion in the scenes at the end. You kept, you came in, I was doing the dishes and I was just like, my mouth was like It was a very open. strange moment because there you were like your actually you were head, buttering, you were buttering the bread for the children's <laughs> breakfast and you were just like... Mouth hanging open. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm so happy when I can read. But I'll, I'll do any amount of cooking and cleaning just to keep reading, right? So it's a good yes. setup. Anyway, so just that reminder again of how to marry emotion to mm-hmm. scene. And mm-hmm. I want to I go in and really look at what he did there. It was brilliant. At least this morning it felt that way. Fantastic. All right. And you've been listening to Storymaker Show. We actually said we were going to have a contest for our ending. Yeah, but nobody's written to us. Yeah, people. Come on, you're talking to me about mice? Tell me about what encouragement you would like to hear from us directly to you. Because, my gosh, we cannot continue with that other one, which I refuse to say at this point. Oh, I like it. But, um, but you know, get in there. Do the work. You rock. Tell us what you want to hear. Come on. We'll, we'll, tell, you, we'll tell you what you want what you really, really want. Okay, and with that, (laughs) see you next week.